Welcome to Enbus Talks, a podcast focusing on Norwegian business in Singapore and Asia, where we take the lead on innovation, new technology, and new solutions. Because Norway means business. With your host, Anders Hegre, Executive Director at the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore. Hi, I'm Anders Hegre, host of Enbus Talks. For today's episode, we are going to explore how the coronavirus impacts the business in Singapore. Uh, I remember I heard about this virus uh, around Chinese New Year uh, in an email from a colleague saying that I should stay safe from the corona. And then he said, haha, not the beer. And then I wonder what, what did he mean? And then uh, a couple of weeks, weeks later, my mother was actually due to come here. And we were wondering, um, is it safe for her to come? And um, yeah, so we let her come. And five weeks later, she uh, was going home. And then we wondered, uh, is it safe for her to go home? So um, we, by the way, we sent her both here and sent her back again. So um, yeah. So, but also uh, this has happened so quickly. I feel like this Christmas is like uh, Christmas 10 years ago. It's like time is being counted in a whole new way. So, um, but we are uh, a podcast focusing on innovation and new technology. And uh, we will ask, is there a silver lining here? Will Corona force us to do things in a new way that can actually bring the business world ahead? To shed light on these topics, uh, I'm delighted to welcome our guests, Hilde Bjerknes from Yara, Erling Hesselberg from Crayon, and also to my co-host, Paul Kastman, the Director for Innovation Norway. Uh, Paul? Uh, you have been director for one and a half years. We met in Botanical Garden the first time, and then I known you both privately and uh, and professionally since then. And yeah, tell us a little about your background. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Anders. As, as you said, uh, I'm I'm heading innovation always office here in in uh, Singapore, and uh, and I've done so for the last one and a half years. Um, I have a fairly long and varied history from uh, from Asia. I uh, studied in China in the late uh, 90s, and uh, and then I worked there for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Innovation Norway from 2007 to 2015. So basically through the financial crisis and uh, the bilateral challenges we had with China in the first half uh, of the 2010s. Um, in between these two periods, I also had a two-year stay in Nepal from 2005 to 2007. Basically, during the late stages of the of the civil war uh, between the king and the Maoists, and then finally uh, when the king abdicated in 27. But since uh, the autumn of 2018, uh, I've been living in Singapore with my with my family, um, which is obviously, generally speaking, a more stable place. Obviously, um, but like the rest of the world, recently uh, affected by the novel coronavirus. Uh, but apart from that, I enjoy Singapore very much so far. Yeah, and uh, Hilde, welcome to you. Uh, I met you a few times, and I, I perceive you as a fairly modest person. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I heard you state that the most important Norwegian invention is, in fact, neither the cheese slicer nor the paper clip, but the mineral fertilizer. Who are you, and what is the reason for this bold statement? 
Thanks, Anders. Uh, I'm Hilde from Yara, and I'm the supply chain director for Asia and Australia and New Zealand. And I've been in Singapore for one year now. I'm really glad you remember that statement because uh, I started to work for Yara five years ago. And uh, I didn't really know this story about Yara uh, well enough before I started in the company. And I've been uh, really impressed and feel so proud now to work for this company. And I think actually it's a story that all Norwegians should be proud of because uh, I, I truly believe that it's uh, such a great invention. Um, when uh, the company was founded in 1905, uh, the mineral fertilizer helped stop the famine in Europe uh, and actually laid the ground for the, a very good development of Europe, uh, industrialization, building uh, the good societies that we have in Europe today. Um, and now, uh, today, our products and solutions, they actually feed 240 million people around the world. And I think not many companies can um, say that they still have the solutions for the future after more than 100 years in operation. Because uh, with the climate challenges we have today, Yara also has very good uh, um, solutions to bring to help solve these issues. Um, but I guess it's not the climate crisis that is the main topic of today. Maybe that's a later podcast because suddenly this virus came and changed uh, our focus uh, for a short while. But sustainable farming is still very important. Yeah, thank you. It's a very fascinating, uh, very fascinating story. Uh, and you are absolutely right. There is another crisis that are on the forefront of our minds today. And uh, Erling Hesselberg, Vice President at Crayon, I I don't think I met you too many times, but I, I feel like you are quite uh, um, uh, quite a confident guy. And uh, I wonder um, why you have uh, established yourself in Singapore and tell us a little about Crayon. Yes, thank you, and thank you for having me. Yes, that that is correct. I'm, I'm I'm just recently relocated now to to Singapore and Asia after being traveling back and forth for a while, and um, and uh, in my role as a VP for Crayon, my responsibility is is to support a number of different business areas uh, globally, but uh, now especially focusing on the APAC region since. Uh, we are investing quite heavily here now in the in in the region. So Crayon as a company, Crayon Group, uh, was established not 100 years ago, unfortunately, but back in 2002 uh, in Norway, and um, have now expanded across Europe, Middle East, Africa, US, and APAC. And um, as a software and cloud advisory company, we serve approximately 10,000 customers and partners across 40 countries. So it's been a quite rapid growth uh, since uh, 2002. And uh, here in this region, uh, we established Crayon Singapore and say uh, Crayon Malaysia uh, after an acquisition of a local cloud aggregator in 2015. So we have five years now in this, this region and have expanded since then into Philippines, Indonesia, Sri Lanka. And one year ago, we also um, set up uh, um, a, a sub in Australia. So we are now close to 100 employees in APAC out of uh, 1,500 uh, globally. Yeah. 
That's impressive. And uh, and now, Paul, we are going into uh, to the main uh, topic. Uh, I've heard that when you have a podcast, there is uh, there could be difficulties to to sort of distinguish between uh, different uh, people. So I'll use names. But uh, for for the listener, it's uh, I'm more in that uh, Stoltenberg Jagland tradition, speaking English, uh, while Paul is very fluent and has a very soft English. So that will be no problem. Uh, Paul, you have um, you are monitoring week in week out how COVID nineteen is affecting the business community in Singapore and the APEC region. What is it uh, all about? Um, well, as you say, um, it, one of the things that we do um, during this ongoing crisis is to report on the on the conditions uh, for the Norwegian business in various countries around the world, um, and there are several things that we are looking for, uh, such as uh, access to sort of factory inputs like raw materials uh, for manufacturing processes, access to labor and so on. Uh, We're also looking at logistical challenges or uh, changes in the demand side for products and services, currency fluctuations and so on. Um, We sort of basically talk to a selection of Norwegian companies uh, in the most important sectors for Norwegian business uh, in these countries. That is what we do, short and sweet. Yeah. And uh, what have the results showed so far? Uh, could you share with us your uh, top findings? Uh, well, we've done this for a, for a few weeks now. Um, and there are several things that we've observed. Um, well, as we've all seen, uh, the sort of the pandemic hits countries at various times or in waves. Uh, and seeing that China is the manufacturing hub for a large degree of uh, of the world's products and also the starting point for the pandemic, uh, this meant that uh, several st- uh, companies experienced uh, logistical challenges uh, and disruptions to their value chain in the earlier stages of the crisis as China was sort of clamping down hard on the virus. And, and uh, that is probably also something that uh, Yara can testify to. Yes, uh, Hilda, uh, maybe you can elaborate on what challenges uh, Yara experience business-wise due to COVID-19. And uh, maybe also in terms of innovation, if you can let us in on uh, the most important measures Yara is undertaking to uphold the operation and maybe even develop the operation during these times. Yes, um, I'm happy to do that. I think during only a few weeks that this crisis uh, has lasted so far, we've seen so many good uh, examples also of innovation. For me, I think it's even in this difficult uh, situation, it's so inspiring to see how the whole organization is suddenly becoming so innovative because you have to solve small problems and bigger structural problems. And uh, I see examples from production plants i see examples from supply chain and also on the digital side i see great examples so you know in in normal operations sometimes innovation is a fancy word and some people in one department even has a department name said innovation and they work with innovation but i i really strongly believe also that innovation really happens um, on the ground and that's why yara has lived so long uh, as a company uh, and now we really see it, that everyone feels responsible and brings to the table suggestions on how to solve things and do things differently. 
so so that's actually great. Um, fertilizer is actually key to secure food supply in the world. Uh, and that's something that is luckily recognized by all the central governments in the Asian markets that have uh, went into lockdown. So this means that uh, the lockdown is not valid for us. Our supply chains are allowed uh, to stay open. Uh, but And uh, I think all employees in Yara feel such a great uh, accountability for actually getting uh, the fertilizer out to the farmers because no food can grow without uh, the sufficient nutrients. And we have a role to play to secure that after the COVID crisis, there will not be starvation uh, because that would be the consequence if uh, we didn't uh, manage to get uh, the nutrients out on the fields or the farmers couldn't get the product. Um, so I think uh, I've seen, even though the uh, central government say that fertilizer supply chain can still operate, it's not that easy because it's said from the central government, but uh, all the implementations of restrictions happen very locally. Uh, so in fact, we have to alter our work processes. We have to speak to so many different stakeholders to be able to reopen the supply chain. Even to have a truck driving between two villages uh, is not allowed. So we have to have the right documentation. We work with central governments to get those kind of documents. We have to share it with the drivers. We have to help them get the working permit. Um, we have to help the port um, to get the permission to operate and discharge our vessels. Uh, and all this takes a lot of work from many, many people on the ground uh, from Yara. And mostly we have to do it on the phone or on uh, uh, video meetings like we're doing today because we are not allowed to leave our houses. Um, and one thing that is also important for us is to set up the operation safely. Um, and uh, so that the people who still need to work and do the job can do it in a safe way. And, and, and I, I see we managed to reopen all those supply chains slowly. And that, that just shows a lot of innovation and good approaches. And then in a complete other dimension, we have uh, our digital um, Department because we have a digital hub in Singapore actually developing applications for uh, farmers. Um, and I think this now also has been a great advantage for us because um, everything we have to do with the customers now and with the farmers needs to be digital. Uh, so actually we're forced uh, to launch things and to do things that we would say normally that we were not prepared to do. But now we uh, just have to act um, and try out a lot of different um, solutions and digital approaches uh, to keep contact with our uh, customers and farmers. And I think we learn a lot from it. And I'm, I'm sure it's bringing a step change into the already good uh, innovation that we're working on on the digital side. So um, that's also very exciting. I think we are going to learn so much during this period. Yeah. And come out even stronger, actually. Yeah. And um, Paul, there are also uh, other aspects uh, to this crisis, as you have uh, observed. Well, I think one of the issues that uh, Hilde is, uh, is talking about is, is sort of the disruptions of the logistic uh, part of things. And uh, and obviously, uh, there are many reasons for this, but, but one of the reasons obviously being that there are varying 
uh, implementation and interpretation of national policy on, on, on the local level. And so you have to deal with various kinds of levels of government and, and uh, enforcement uh, stakeholders like police and so on. So it can be a little bit challenging for that reason. Um, I think uh, also generally speaking, another aspect uh, of the crisis is that it sort of affects business differently depending on the sector. Uh, so traditionally, Singapore uh, has sort of been an important country for Norwegian maritime and, and offshore industries. And, and these sectors are, are clearly affected. Um, you know, the domino effect of global downturn in retail and consumer markets uh, sort of influenced the maritime industry. There's less transport, uh, delays in new builds, projects, mm-hmm. and, and so on. And commercial shipping of goods and people obviously is affected for the same reason. Um, in addition to the various travel bans on people and personnel, as I mentioned. Um, um, on the other hand, there are sectors that are sort of weathering the storm uh, quite differently and quite well. Uh, if you look at the sort of ICT, telecom technology sectors, many of these companies are experiencing uh, growth uh, as most sectors uh, are becoming more digitalized, uh, moving some of their business operations into the cloud, etc. cetera. Uh, and obviously, uh, if the crisis goes on for a long time, then all sectors will be affected negatively. Uh, but at the moment, this sector is performing quite well. Uh, 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 like Crayon can probably uh, 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 testify to. Yeah, Arling, uh, for you as a software provider, this situation is probably painted with some brighter colors business-wise. With uh, the physical dis- distancing and the increased use of home office and digital meetings. Can you share with us how COVID-19 affects your business, considering that innovation and technology can be said to be a part of your core business? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it is. And I think um, what we see now is that many organizations across the world are frog leaping the whole uh journey of digital transformation and use of clouds and not because they wanted to but because they had to uh, to keep the lights on so establishing and implementing work from home solutions pretty much over the night and uh, and make uh, and and give the employees the tools they needed in order to 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 do their daily tasks and do it quickly and we see for us, um, being an advisory company, uh, helping customers save costs on IT spend and reduce risk, um, this is very, very um, important for clients now to look at how they can optimize their their, their IT spending, how they can uh, spend and change the budget costs from from uh, from IT to other parts of the business, or get better value out of their IT spend. So. Um, more awareness regarding that, uh, also more awareness around the digital uh, transformation as such to, to be able now to take full advantage of, of the, um, the change of the way work is done and also the way people are interacting. So for us, um, I've, I've personally, I've never been so busy uh, as I've been for the last uh, couple of months and I, I hear the same statement from my, from my colleagues as well. So there is... Um, there is uh, a lot of uh, willingness to invest in this time. And then we also have other parts of the business that, that uh, are uh, facing other challenges, like especially the consultants that, that work at 
premises to the customers. There, in those cases, we need to change a little bit the approach. We must must use more remote tools and so on and so forth. But overall, I think uh, it's very interesting to see how quickly uh, large organizations has changed the whole work from home aspect and also the digital transformation. Yeah, thanks, uh, Arling. Uh, Paul, you have now been listening to both uh, Hilde and Arling. What are your reflections? Well, I think I think it's uh, both Hilde and Arling sort of uh, represent two two uh, two typical companies uh, that are sort of progressing through this crisis, trying to adopt uh, and adapt uh, new technologies and new ways of doing business um, and. Um, and uh, I think that is something that we will see, obviously, across the board, uh, as long as uh, people's liquidation isn't getting into serious jeopardy, as it is for a lot of companies. Um, but I think it's very important to try to keep uh, a level head when it comes to what kind of opportunities that might come out of this in the long run. Uh, again, it is obviously difficult to predict how long this will last, but at least in Norway, there might seem to be uh, some light in the tunnel uh, that it might be going toward uh, opening up again slowly, slowly business uh, towards the end of, of uh, April uh, and then take advantage of, of the changes that we've seen when it comes to digitalization. And uh, and uh, I, I mean, for me personally, uh, I, I have, you know, a very efficient meeting schedule these days, back-to-back uh, -back meetings. There is uh, elimination of local travel international travel it's a lot easier to get meetings with people uh, even higher up in the system so there are some aspects that are positive and maybe we can bring them with us uh, in the continuation of this after the crisis uh well maybe uh, maybe arling i can follow up with uh, with uh, another question with regards to how you conduct your business uh, obviously you say that your core business at the moment is going quite well uh you're seeing uh, yeah, a positive development uh, in the, the demand for your products and services and so on. Uh, but do you see opportunities, like new opportunities? Are you adjusting your business uh, to take those new opportunities uh, coming as a consequence of the crisis? Or is it just more of the same? No, uh, we, we are definitely adjusting uh, as well, uh, and especially in the area of uh, work from home solutions. So we had. Um, we have been working on some R&D projects regarding uh, helping and enabling students to be able to work more dynamically towards their university uh, with a concept we are branding as core, so Crayon Online Room. This is built on cloud services that, that gives access to all kind of Windows applications from a browser. And that solution is now shifted. So it's changed now. Instead of just being a student solution, we are now delivering it to global companies across across all of our markets as a tool to enable work from home. That wasn't in our plan. It wasn't in our strategies for, for the first half year. Uh, but due to the crisis and the change of demand, that was a natural uh, natural cause. So I see also other tools. So for instance, Teams, uh, which is um, a tool from Microsoft helping uh, to collaborate offline and uh, not offline, but not uh, when they're not in the same physical location, we see a, a huge demand for those type of, of products. 
And also, we are seeing Norwegian companies uh, coming now with with video solutions, um, providing more alternatives for 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 businesses. So, I think this is creating a lot of uh, good innovation, not within not only within Crayon but also uh, across. And uh, we will see new exciting solutions at the other end of this that will hopefully make next next pandemic uh, being handled much better. You seemed almost you seemed very sort of almost smiled when you talked about the the crisis and the the um, the, the opportunities for innovation. Uh, are you able to keep all, all your people on board in Yara through these times? Uh, so far, luckily, we have managed to do that. Um, we uh, didn't see much impact in Asia uh, during the first quarter on the business results. So that's very good news. Um, and that's because uh, fertilizer is exempted, I think, by the governments. But of course, now we see disruption in supply chains in many markets and, and it is becoming more challenging. Um, one country now that is completely locked down and supply chains are not working at all is India. Uh, so... Um, we, we see that it's becoming more uh, difficult, um, even though we work day by day. So there is no easy solution. It's just a lot of hard work and um, everyone is contributing to that. Uh, but I'm sure we will see financial impact also. We, we have to expect that. But actually, even our plants in Europe, even in Ravenna, Northern Italy, uh, are running uh, like they normally do. Uh, and that's not ju just because they continued to run in a normal state. They, a lot of procedures have been put in place to be able to operate safely under these conditions. Um, but it is because fertilizer then is so important for food supply that it's given priority also uh, by the local governments. Paul? Yeah, I was just, uh, uh, I wanted to follow up on that question because, or that answer rather, because uh, essentially, a lot of the Norwegian business present in Singapore are, are sort of operating, as I said, uh, initially in the maritime and offshore sectors, maybe more conventional industry and, and technology companies and so on. Uh, and I do know that the sort of the fertilizer industry has got a sort of a special permit to sort of continue operations and so on. So you're not hit as hard as maybe uh, other kinds of industries. But would there be a, a, an advice that you would give to a uh, more, uh, say, conventional industry uh, company uh, that are experiencing disruptions to logistical, uh, to logistics, and and uh, and so on? Yeah, I think there is no easy fix uh, on this. Unfortunately, um, I think we benefit from having long-term relationships also with the big maritime companies. Uh, we buy a lot of capacity of them every year. Uh, and it is a fight to get enough containers to actually bring uh, the goods from Europe uh, to Asia. Um, so I, I think uh, it can also, for me, I experience it can seem... Uh, Insolvable. It can see. It can seem it's impossible to do this. So the best I, advice I can give is actually to solve one problem after another. Uh, if it's real operation, don't get overwhelmed by the list of uh, problems that you have. You just need to take one day after another, solve one problem after another, and actually then things fall into place. But it takes a lot of hard work and. Uh, you just need to focus on uh, c 
continue that hard work. I, I think there is no easy fix. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, Erling, I think we are going uh, soon into roundup here, but I would like to pass the, the torch to you to ask you uh, what kind of advice you have to other companies in this uh, situation. No, it's uh, it must be to to uh, as Hilda said, take one 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 problem at a time, but also focusing on the time after this period because uh, we will soon be back to normal, and it is so critical to continue doing the R and D work, continue to invest, continue to develop, and make plans for how to how to get the lights on and how to get in back to full production and then get a head start of the competitors. I think uh, yeah now it's um, it looks like it's going to last for a while but uh, but if we look upon this in the bigger picture uh, this uh, this is something we will overcome and uh, we need to make sure that it doesn't get a stronger impact than it has to so I think plan for next phase plan for the ramp up yeah and uh, thank you uh, Paul we mentioned earlier that um, you are monitoring how covid-19 affects the businesses uh, what is the purpose of this monitoring and how can the Norwegian business community contribute to this? Uh, uh, as I mentioned, we are partly doing this uh, for our owners, the, uh, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and, and Fisheries in Norway. Um, and uh, for the same reason as us, they need to understand the picture at home and abroad uh, when designing support packages to alleviate the situation for Norwegian business. Um, they need to know that these packages hit the mark, so to speak, uh, before they launch them. Um, but another aspect of this is that other countries around the world are doing the same. And uh, not all of these packages support local and international business equally. And this means that uh, competition might be distorted to the disadvantage of Norwegian business. And we take a, a particular interest in that. Um I'm happy to say, however, that Singaporean authorities are doing a, a very good job in this respect. Um, both international and domestic businesses are entitled to support uh, in these troubling times, regardless of ownership. Um, so in addition to the interviews we've sort of done with a selection of companies and, and that they've taken the time to do so and speak to us, uh, we will also distribute a simple questionnaire that we will send out to all NBUS members in Singapore and also in other countries. Um, so we will we will make that link available and, and also distribute it by email. So if, if uh, the companies would like to answer this, uh, this is something that we will report back to the to the ministry and also uh, take uh, take uh, take with us in, in the, the process ahead. Yes. Thank you. Is there anyone wanting to give a final advice or reflection before we uh, wrap up this first episode of Enbos Talks? Arling? Yeah, I, I would, I would uh, encourage all companies that, that uh, are now located in Norway and, and are thinking of investing in Singapore to, to reach out to Enbos and also the Innovation Norway um, to get support um, from them and also to to, to look into the opportunities. Um, for instance, for an IT company, there is there is uh, so many opportunities in this sector. We see now, just to make an example, we see now that the Singaporean government uh, will, will, will shift and move 50% of all their applications now to the cloud. They are innovating, they, they are 
it's it's happening so fast the the innovation the, and the same thing with iot and um and and ai and machine learning uh, the, the the investments levels in this region is uh, is is very very interesting so um i i highly encourage everyone to 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 investigate paul yeah i can just uh just uh, add to that we also see the same development uh that there are uh, fairly large procurements in the government sector for for various kinds of uh, digital technology and and uh, and IT services, and and there are already uh, quite a few Norwegian companies in this telecoms and IT sector that are that are uh, either in the process of setting up a business here or already are established. So so Crane uh, Crane is not the latest addition to that, but uh, they are surely one of the bigger ones. Uh, but it's um, there is a reason for it. There is a, an interesting area happening here and we also see within the technology more generally speaking that that this is an interesting place to be uh, and we see that also with the number of companies that are coming here within health tech within fintech and so on uh, there is a diversification of the norwegian business community here and that's that's always good yeah hilda do you want a final word before we uh, wrap up yeah, I think uh, it's very good to have this uh, community in Singapore. And I, I think it's uh, going to give us opportunities to also innovate and uh, find new business opportunities from the learnings we have going through this phase. Uh, and I think Norway is a country also that can, uh, or Norwegian companies uh, can find business opportunities. Um, and uh, I'm Yara as a company, we are at interested in sharing our uh, learnings uh, from this period and discuss how we could use that to develop our business further with different partners and uh, companies. So um, I, I, th I think it's very, very important to take time to have and analyze these learnings and take it into new, make it new business opportunities uh, when we have finished with the, all the operational challenges that we have right now. Because there will be business, yeah. business uh, going forward and, um, yeah, new things to do. Yeah. Thank you to NBAS members Hilde Bjerknes from Yara and Erling Hesselberg from Crayon for sharing. And thank you to my co-host and colleague in Team Norway Singapore, Innovation Norway's director, Paul Kostman. Read more about Yara and Crayon on nbas.org. .sg and join us for our next podcast shortly. Thank you for listening to Enbus Talks. Thank you for listening to Enbus Talks, a podcast from the Norwegian Business Association in Singapore with your host Anders Hegre. This episode was produced by Linda Hesselberg. To find out more, go to enbus.org.sg and join us for our next podcast shortly. Thank you for listening. Norway means business.